this, the five foot assassin with the roughneck business. I float like gravity, never had a cavity. Got more rhymes than the one that's got family. No need to sweat our senior to gain some type of fame. No shame in my game, cause I always be the same. Styles upon styles upon styles is what I have. You wanna Chris Swick, you're gonna disappoint me, I'm sure. But um what do you know about Tribe Call Quest, man? Uh I've heard of them. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought you were saying. <laughs> yeah. Played some, played some Tribe Called Quest bugging out. Start the show tonight because I'm, I'm pretty, pretty bummed out about uh, Fife Dog dying. I love me some Tribe, man. One of probably one of the first hip hop groups I was ever really into. So uh, broken up about that. I, w- I will save the talk for that on with me and Bad News Ramen. We'll talk about it later, Chris. I'm not gonna make you, make you, I'm not gonna make fun of you for not knowing Tribe Called Quest. You're, you're too young. You young well, whipper. You young whippersnappers and your Kendrick Lamar. So uh, well, this... I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that I'll avoid further embarrassment. This is the stew pod, by the way. Nothing to do with hip hop. This is the stew pod. I am Mike Oz. And I'm Chris Swick. So we haven't done a podcast in uh, a couple weeks now because I was gone. Yeah. So I'm happy to have to be back, Chris. I think we're reunited and it feels so good. I'm, I'm excited. I don't know about you, but... Uh... It's not just that we're reunited, but that baseball is so close at this point, and I just I need it to happen. I I think we have gotten past the like goofy spring training stuff now, and and even though you know the Adam LaRoche Drake LaRoche stuff really dominated last week, I feel like this week was kind of a fresh start in like the hey baseball's almost here, so let's like take these things seriously now. And whether it's real baseball or fantasy baseball, I mean we've kind of reached fantasy baseball time, so. Um, this week on the podcast, we're doing some fantasy baseball stuff. Uh, we got Bad News Ramen joining us, and, and we're going to talk fantasy baseball. And I promise on every segment of the show to mention that you came in last place last year in our, in our league. Wonderful. So, yeah, I'm going to do that for you. Well, it, you know, it's a new season. Optimism reigns supreme. A lot of people out there <laughs> feeling like me right now. They think they can make that giant uh, Red Sox turnaround, go from worst to first. I guess that's a good thing, though, right? I mean, you know, good to good to have that hope every year. So sure. uh, we'll talk to Scott Pianowski from Roto Arcade, and uh, he'll he'll maybe try to instill some hope in you. We'll see, I think. Um, I think when we come back and we do some important questions, I'll talk to you guys a little bit about spring training and my spring training experiences. And uh, I think I think we'll have some fun there. So uh, stay tuned. This is the Stew Pod. We're talking fantasy baseball. We'll be back. back on the stew pod we are talking fantasy baseball this week with uh one of our yahoo sports brethren i, I joked that we're doing kind of uh mega powers collide chris chris said batman superman crossover but either way we're, but this is good this will be good we're joined by uh scott pianowski from roto arcade uh longtime yahoo sports fantasy writer it's been around longer than both of us scott how's it going i'm doing great guys i am very excited that Every year, it seems spring training goes a little bit longer and a little bit longer. Uh, the season's really close. Uh, I'm right in the middle of draft season. I have an auction tonight on Yahoo, so it's, uh, it's one of my favorite times of year. Chris and I have a draft tonight, too, that we're both in. Yes, we do. Um, nice. I, uh, I'm curious at this point, how many drafts have you done? I think I have four or five in the can and probably about that many more to come. But that's how many leagues I'm in. I, I don't even know the number of it, but I'm usually somewhere between 10 and 12. How many uh, mocks have you done at this point? <laughs> you know, I'm not a mock guy. Uh, I want. I did some magazine mocks back in 
whatever, November, December, something like that. But I feel like you don't always get an experience that people don't take them seriously. People goofing off. They don't stay for the whole thing. So to me, and then that's one reason why when I get into my early drafts, I still feel like I'm not really in my stride yet. Now I feel like I'm, I'm know the player pool very well. I have a sense of who I want and who I don't want, what I expect market behavior to be like. Those early drafts, and, and I know some people are out there probably shaking their heads because they're in one or two leagues, like like most people probably are. But to me, it's like bowling frames. I, I need to get a little you know, golf. I need a couple holes to warm up, whatever. I feel like I need a couple <laughs> of drafts, even though it's what I do, and I should know this stuff forwards, backwards, and sideways. But I feel like right now is really when I'm catching my stride. So if you ask me a question now on Facebook or on Twitter or we talk in this pod, I feel like you're getting the best answers I have because I, I've really kind of gotten my feet wet. You picked the right day, well, man. Yeah, well, that that's a wonderful setup because now that you're in your stride, uh, which players do you find yourself ending up with a ton in, in some of these drafts? One guy who I, I write a piece every March, I'll probably write it next week, called What's in My Wallet, which is players who I have multiple shares of. And I find myself with a lot of Eric Hosmer, and this is a new experience for me. I, I kind of swam against the tide when the Royals made the World Series two years ago, and you know Ned Yost drove me crazy. I didn't think the team was that good. And, you know, of course, they, they go all the way last year. And, and Hosmer's a guy who we came up with, with a pedigree, and he came up with a lot of expectations. And he's turned out to be a good player, not a great player, but he's one of my favorite types of fantasy guys. That If you run the 5x5 five five numbers last year, he was a top 25 hitter, a top 35 player, you don't need to pay anything close to that in current ADP or, or uh, salary in, in an auction. People, for whatever reason, they're not excited about Hosmer anymore. They've moved on to the next thing. It's not that people, I think, are dissing him, but you can get him in a Yahoo League in the seventh or eighth round. I think he's going to return third or fourth round value. I have a lot of shares of him. Uh, I have a lot of it's kind of funny with the Royals. I have a lot of shares of Will Myers. He's, he's bounced around now. He's been the Tampa Bay He's with San Diego now. Last year he got hurt. He missed two-thirds of the season. He's probably going to hit 20 to 25 home runs, maybe still 12 to 15 bases, what we call a post-type sleeper. Now, unlike Hosmer, who's been a solid player, Will Myers has kind of fallen off the face of the earth. People don't generally like to have San Diego hitters. I think you can get Will Myers for almost any price you want. And we, we did a piece collaboratively on Big League Stew for our favorite sleepers, and I felt like I was cheating when I put Gerardo Parra in there because I think his setup is so obvious. Good power, good speed. Colorado paid him $26 million, I think it was, for three years. They're going to play him after they signed power. They traded Dickerson to Tampa Bay, so the outfield's nice and tidied up there. I don't, I don't see why you don't want as many Colorado hitters as you can get. His ADP is outside 200 in Yahoo Leagues. I think that's crazy. I'm going to have a lot of Gerardo Parra this year. Chris, you're not allowed to draft any of those guys in our draft tonight because I'm getting old. Uh, I'm going to erase my, my list here that I'm making. Like you guys are smart. Like yeah. like you need to copy off my page. But who uh, on the other flip side of that, Scott? Who are you totally avoiding this year? Billy Hamilton is. You never want to say never. I guess if you got to some crazy round, maybe you would take him. But Billy Hamilton's good at one thing. He's a really good base runner. Doesn't hit for a lot of power. He's going to have a bad average. He'll probably have an on base percentage under three hundred. I think his downside used to be maybe we'll demote him to the lower part of the lineup. I think his new downside is maybe he won't be playing. I know the Reds are in a rebuild mode. You would think they could be patient with Hamilton. He is a good defensive player. That matters for fantasy as it ties into job security. It doesn't affect the stats that we use, but at least it should mark his territory a little bit. But I feel like you can always get cheap speed guys. Maybe you pick up a Jared Dyson. Maybe you pick up a Delano DeShields. 
Uh, maybe one of the Atlanta guys pops. Uh, they traded for Inciarte. They have this kid, Malik Smith, who stole a ton of bases in the minors. I don't know if he'll start the season in Atlanta, but Andy Barron's is high on him, and I am as well. And then you look at a team like Washington that uh, they have Davey Lopes now as their base running guru. They're stealing a ton of bases in spring training. I know we laugh at spring training results, and a lot of times they don't mean much. But if they ever have Trey Turner in their lineup, is another guy who may not start the regular season in Washington. I think he'd be a great pickup. Anyway, Billy Hamilton, you can get speed later. Don't drop Billy Hamilton. Another thing I'm trying to do, and this is so simple, but I do it every year. I don't want American League East pitchers, especially guys who aren't established yet. Kevin Gossman has a pedigree in Baltimore. Tell me the last pitcher the Orioles have ever uh, developed a starting pitcher. I can't think of anybody. I think a lot of guys who left Baltimore pitch well. We saw what Jake Arrieta did last year. I want no part of Gossman. I just want to see it. I want to, I want to see these guys do something before I pay for them. Marcus Stroman is very buzzy in Toronto, but again, it's the wrong division. It's the wrong park. He's a shorter pitcher, which generally I try to stay away from those guys. I, I worry about wear and tear on their bodies and stuff like that. And somebody in your league is dying to draft Marcus Stroman. He's not going to be on any of my teams. It seems like you hit on this a little bit with your last answer, but are there guys who you just won't, you just flat out re- refuse to draft or does everybody have that, that price for you? I think everybody has a price. It's just I know that in the case of a guy like Stroman, he's so buzzy in fantasy circles uh, with the pundits and stuff. I it's just I don't think my price is ever going to come. Uh, I try. I think I think the right rule of thumb here is that don't don't get totally dead set on any draft strategy or any opinion on a player. You never know. I sometimes people will say to me, "Okay, I'm going to draft a third baseman in the second round, and an outfielder in the third round, and a closer in well, the eighth round." You don't know how the draft's going to go. You don't know what might be available to you. Your dream scenario, you, guy you thought was a first-round player may be available in the second round, and then everything changes. So I try not to be locked in on stuff. Um, but there are some players you just decide your opinion is so strong on them. I guess they become exceptions to the rule. My overall advice would be to be flexible when you go into your draft or auction because you just don't know what kind of unusual things may happen in the process that night. That that reminds me, you wrote a really good piece this week. Um, it was mistakes that even good owners make. So as as you know, we're preparing for a draft. You're preparing for a draft. A lot of people are preparing for drafts this weekend and you know into, into the next week. What would you say is the one the one thing like don't do this? Like what is it? You know, this is actually more of a fantasy football tip, but I think it applies in fantasy baseball as well. I am blown away at how optimistic people are with long-term injury timetables and returnees and just expecting, they say somebody's out eight to 12 weeks. And I think a lot of times people hear the eight weeks and they think, okay, the moment this guy comes back, he's going to have his job. He's going to perform at the level we're accustomed to. I never play that way. I always assume. And also, you know, whenever you ask an athlete about his injury situation, these guys are superheroes. These guys have have basically done whatever they wanted athletically from a very young age. They're not used to being hurt. They expect they'll come back sooner. It's just the nature of the game with those guys. And sometimes they're just trying to protect their job. And the last thing they want to do is say anything that's going to encourage the team to think they have to replace them. So optimism is always the the order of the day with injured guys. And I think you fade that. Last year when Giancarlo Stanton got hurt. I thought people should shop him and, and try to find somebody who thought maybe he'll come back on the short end. It turns out he missed the whole season. And it's unfortunate because, you know, Stanton healthy can hit 50-plus home runs. He's also a guy I don't want to draft, by the way. He's just been hurt too many times. But, uh, of course, we all see the tremendous upside with Stanton. But yeah. 
when it comes to injuries, when somebody's or take a guy like you, Darvish, off Tommy John surgeries, had it relatively late in his career or in the middle of his career. It's not like he's 23, 24. I think some people will draft him, stash him, and just assume, okay, Darvish is coming back in June. I got an ace, and I'm never going to play that way. I'm always the – and I hate – it's it's kind of sad to be pessimistic about guys coming back because I would you – know, I'm a baseball fan. I want to see the best players on the field. I hope everybody comes back and plays to their potential because it's more exciting when you have – you know, the stars back in the game. You Darvish is a blast to watch. I, I hope he comes back and he's terrific, but I'm not going to look at long-term injured players optimistically. And I, and I think that it's a mistake that, that people generally make. All right. So here's something we see every single spring, a guy will go nuts and hit millions of home runs like Michael Franco or some questionable fifth or sixth starter explodes and, Suddenly, you start to see their average draft position shoot up a ton. Uh, how do you deal with the spring numbers? Do you care at all? Are there some instances where it does matter, or is it all just kind of a crapshoot? Yeah, I mean, spring training, right? I, I think for the most part, you discard most of it, especially if we're talking about anybody who's an established player, because th- those guys are just trying to get in shape and get ready for the season. A lot of times, pitchers are literally just trying to get their work in. They're not throwing certain pitches. They don't care if they get knocked around. Of course, we also have to worry about pitchers with injuries. So sometimes it's a tricky thing with a pitcher because what there's two kinds of pitchers, right? The guys who are hurt now and the guys who are probably going to be hurt later. So you you get a little bit nervous with that. But I care about spring training results for players who are playing for jobs. And also sometimes we talked about the Nationals earlier with, with them running so much. Sometimes if somebody's running a lot in spring training, I think that could be a precursor. Billy Burns had a couple of spring trainings where he ran like crazy. I, I think, granted, what he does in the minors is much more symbolic of the type of player he can be. But sometimes I'll pay attention to that. With the pitchers, I just look at walks and strikeouts. And even then, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't care if they're allowing a lot of hits. We know how much noise is baked into that with, with hit rates and stuff like that. Half of these teams, or about half, are playing in Arizona where the air is thin. So it's hard to take that seriously. If you're going to look at anything with the pitchers, look at walks and strikeouts. I also look a little bit, and it's kind of hard to gauge this because the teams are, are so broken and and fractured, but I also want to get a sense of where a player's role might be, where he might hit in the lineup, who's finishing games. Sometimes that ties into who the closer might be in some teams. A lot of unsettled closer situations, by the way, uh, this year, I think more than usual. So you want to get a sense of usage or what type of manager a new manager might be, that type of thing. But I, I'm with you guys. You take it with a grain of salt. I think maybe 80 to 90% of what you see in spring training is completely meaningless and doesn't apply to the regular season. So I, I wanted to get into some maybe philosophical uh, fantasy approaches here, and I know Mike's real excited to hear about this. Oh, but, yeah, uh, man, let's do it. <laughs> so, Scott, are you a position scarcity type guy? I mean, are you the type of person who might reach for one of these young shortstops this season, or are you just going to go best player available and deal with that later? I'm generally just looking to, to go best player available. And also, because Yahoo more than some other sites. We're very liberal with position eligibility. I think we have the lowest thresholds. So Manny Machado is a shortstop in Yahoo in, in addition to third base. That doesn't apply in a lot of other leagues. David Ortiz is a first baseman. Kendris Morales is a first baseman. Uh, some pitchers will have dual eligibility. So I think it makes it easier to just grab stats and categories and not be too heavy on position scarcity. And then that may apply. Scarcity may be more of a theme if you play in some other formats. The one exception to this rule, and this is a polarizing player as much as he's terrific in real life and everybody knows he's great, 
I don't think anybody's ever regretted owning Buster Posey except that one season where he got steamrolled at home plate and he missed half the year. He's so much better than all the other catchers that he's one. He's the one position scarcity guy that I might be tempted to have an auction tonight. I might just decide, you know what, I want Posey on a team. I love watching him play. Uh, I, I stay up late and watch all the games. It's, it's, that's a silly reason to draft a player, but I, I may do it with Posey anyway. I, I, again, so much better. I mean, who's the number two catcher? It, it may be LaCroix. It may be Schwarber, who has a, a very short resume. We don't know exactly how much he's going to play. It may be Russell Martin, who had a poor average last year. He's getting up there in age. So I, I think Posey's the one maybe exception to the rule with position scarcity. I'm not going to worry. I think this is a deep shortstop pool. I'm not going to reach on a short. I mean, Carlos Correa is a first-round pick, and I'm no problem with that. But I'm not going to say in the third round. Oh, I'm I'm really panicked about shortstops. I better get Xander Bogarts or something like that. I I think shortstop is deep enough that I'll, I'll just more be more position. I'm sorry, more category-driven and more stats-driven than I will be position-driven in the early rounds. What's your opinion on punting categories in a five-by-five league or maybe larger than that? It's funny you ask that. I would tell most people generally to be balanced, try to be good everywhere. That's the best best path to winning a league. But we just had our friends and Yahoo friends and family draft on Tuesday. I didn't only punt in that league. I actually punted two categories. What I did in that league, and then, then we're probably people are probably driving off the road or hanging up on the podcast. You know, two two categories, five by five league. What are you doing? It's a league with a very low innings pitch threshold. It's, I think it's fourteen hundred innings. So what happens is strikeouts are really strikeouts per nine. Wins are really wins uh, per per inning, too, because you just don't have that many innings. The quality of the innings becomes more important. And my idea was that I'll just get a bunch of wipeout relievers. I'll load up on my offense. I'll probably win ERA or come in second. I'll probably win whip or come in second. I have enough saves that I should be one of the stronger teams in saves. And then I'll just look to dominate offense. I've won this league playing it straight you know, two or three times. I've come in second a bunch of times. I have a good resume there. I actually tried this strategy back in 2014. I abandoned it midway, even though I had a good relief staff. I decided, you know what, I can stream a little bit. I can trade for some pitchers. And even though I didn't draft a starting pitcher that year, I actually won the league. Not only did I win the league outright, but I had the most wins in the league, which sounds ridiculous. I had no starting pitching on April 1st. But I think it can work. I, I wouldn't advise it's, – it's, I, I don't, this is going to sound like an appeal to authority or pat myself on the back. I, I wouldn't try this if you're not familiar with – I did this in this league because I, I know the guys that I'm playing against. I know the league dynamics. I know what the waiver wire behavior will be like. I, I feel like it's a known context to me. If you're playing on the internet with people you didn't know or it's a new league to you or, or you're not that familiar with fantasy, you're, you're kind of getting your feet wet there. I wouldn't. I don't think it's, in a, it's a neophyte or a new player strategy. I think it's more of an advanced strategy. But I do think if you know your context, it's something you could pull off. And so what you, do you guys you think mentioned... on that, by the way? Have you tried that, Chris? I've never done it before. Uh, it just it just worries me to do that type of thing. And I think, I don't know, you have to really hit on the waiver wire, which can work in some leagues, but I guess in more active leagues, it, it makes me nervous where owners know what they're doing. Sure, absolutely. I'm, I'm too scared sometimes to do that. <laughs> Straight up, man. Straight up. Oh, by the way, you also, you're talking about too scared. You're referring to that uh, mistakes fantasy owners make i can't remember if i included it this year if i wrote about it last year i think i had it in this year's column but one of the most common mistakes to me is reluctance to hit the waiver wire that i think people fall in love with every player on their roster even the 25th 26th 30th man and to me it's it's kind of like the monty hall problem which is that that great paradox where 
you're you're given three choices and then one choice is taken away and you're asked if you want to change your original choice and even though it seems completely counterintuitive the correct answer is actually to change your choice if you're not familiar with money hall problem do a search do a yahoo search on that and check it out it's it blew my mind the first time it was explained to me and that's how i look at pickups i, I think that once we hit actual games you have more information than when you picked up the last few guys on your roster I want to be aggressive in April. You want to find the Charlie Blackman who was thought to be a journeyman outfielder a couple of years ago. He had a huge April and it's, it's really easy to poo poo it out. He's not that good. He's playing in Colorado, whatever. I want to be aggressive to those guys. I want to be one of the players, even if transactions are capped or I have a fab budget, I still want to be aggressive in April. And I think it's a common mistake to sit on your bench and be beaten to the punch on these guys. I, as soon as we get, I, and I know it's a short sample and, and you guys are smart. I mean, you're going to advise people to not believe in this stuff. And I get that. But when I see any kind of plausible upside, sometimes it's about the role. I mean, it's especially with like saves, just anybody who's shown the role in the ninth inning who converts a save or two is probably worth picking up in most fantasy leagues, even if he's not that good, just because ownership of the job is such a huge part of that. Or if we see somebody promoted to the top of the lineup or somebody's getting a chance to run, that type of thing. So I know that, you know, you're not going to know for sure because we're going to be dealing off very short samples it may not make sense from a saving metric standpoint, but I want to be aggressive with early pickups. I think that's a huge advantage or a huge key to winning a competitive mixed league. I want to make sure we get some auction talk in there. And I know you said mm -hmm. you have an auction draft tonight. So yep. do you find yourself employing any specific strategies going into those, like stars and scrubs, or are you just looking for bargains? Is there anything that kind of stands out to you? Yeah, I think most mixed leagues, stars and scrubs, even if it's not – a hardcore stars and scrubs. The point is that you're going to, at the end of your auction, you're going to feel so much better. If the guy you spent a couple extra bucks on is Manny Machado or Anthony Rizzo or Steven Strasburg, or maybe not Strasburg, but you know, Clayton Kershaw, one of the stars, then you spent extra money on guys late in the auction. Cause you, you waited too long and it's just really nobody left to spend your money on. It's all inflationary or, or God forbid you left money on the table. So I, because the replacement value in a mixed league, if you're in an 8-team, 10-team, 12-team, even like a 13 or 14-team mixed league, because the $1 players and the players untouched in your auction are still going to be pretty darn good, make sure you're spending extra money on your stars. You, I don't think you'll regret that. I think you want to be unpredictable with your nomination pattern. It's pretty tried and true that early on you're going to nominate guys you don't want. Or once you say you've gotten Kershaw, you may want to nominate Scherzer because he's not going to be on your team. Or you already have a shortstop, you nominate another shortstop, that type of thing. But don't be too predictable. And, and mix it up a little bit. Throw out a, a closer handcuff before the main closer. Or throw out a guy you think might go for 4 or $5 in the midst of all the stars. Keep your opponents off balance. And don't let them know that, okay... Every time this guy is nominating somebody, he wants the player or he doesn't want the player. or this, you know, Try to be unpredictable. It, it's a poker game, and you don't want people to know what your strategy is. All right, I have, I have questions from a different direction now. I have some more kind of experience-driven stuff here. Um, this one I feel like is very important, Scott. Let, let's say you're in a, you're in a fantasy league uh, with, with you know probably the guy who you work with every single day, your coworker, and he finishes in last place. How often do you make fun of him? This feels personal. <laughs> well, I love I'm not you. saying his name is Chris Swick or anything. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> first of all, I love the fact that we have dogs on this two podcast. I, I heartily endorse that decision. Um, my dog, my dogs on here uh, pretty often. Outstanding. <laughs> I love leagues that have incentive for the full season, incentive to not finish last. Whether it's 
Uh, in my hometown keeper league, that's a draft. Our draft order for the next season is the team that comes in fifth, the team that comes in sixth. It goes five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, four, twelve, three, thirteen, two, fourteen, one. And what that basically means is that if you're near the bottom of the standings, you're going to draft second to last. If you come in last, you're going to draft second to last the next season. And every spot you move up is going to improve your draft spot order by two spots. I like incentive based that way or incentive, you know, if you have some kind of penalty, not, nothing, you know, don't, don't humiliate anybody. You don't, don't cross the line. Don't do anything that would get you kicked out of college. But, um, <laughs> but I like the idea of whether it's side bets or, or whether it's, you know, somebody has to buy lunch the next year at the draft or, or cater it or whatever it is, whatever you guys feel comfortable with. Um, you have to wear a funny t-shirt or something like that. I, I think anything that, provides incentive for people all season regardless of where you sit in the standings i think makes for a better league well i just will make fun of chris on the podcast if he finishes did chris come in last last year he came in i did i did i made the play i don't know what happened my pitchers were awful i did i did really well the pitchers are terrible people you know they they just want to they just want to break our hearts our our draft that we're doing the one we're doing tonight it's sort of a two-part thing where part of it's auction part of it is um snake style draft um, it's it's kind of strange. We're, I'm still kind of figuring out like the best strategy for it. So I'm curious for to you, what is like just the most odd style draft you've ever done? Like what's sort of the one where you're like, wow, that's I whoever thought of that is crazy. Well, my my that league I talked about my my hometown keeper league. Um, that league actually, the draft itself isn't odd, but the way we score that league is we play a week of the season, and we do the rotisserie standings for that week. And you get a certain amount of points. My team is 85 points on that one segment. And then that's my score for the first week. It's 85. And then the next Monday, everybody resets to zero. And that's the way we score the week. It's a, If you add up all 26 weeks, I think it is. And that's the way we score the league. It may sound weird to some other people. But we like it because every every week is fresh. Whatever happened is, is over at the end of the week. And um, I don't know. Works for us. Do you have any ways that you approach a draft aside from you know rankings and stuff but anything like okay I, I need to you know make sure that i wear this outfit any superstitions or certain music or, up, or anything like that player kind of, horoscopes yeah i mean is there any any kind of <laughs> off the wall stuff you do to prepare for a draft uh, well tell you, I, music anytime i'm drafting online i definitely want music yeah I, i'll definitely have my my headphones on my ipod i, I just want to be in a good mood i want to be in a good place um so I think relaxing music tends to work for me. Although, I don't know, if the Jeff gets away for you, you know, play early Van Halen or play Guns N' Roses or something. <laughs> I mean, whatever your closer music is, whatever your at-bat music is, uh, I'm a believer in that. I've sometimes used the Rotowire software for online, I'm sorry, for offline drafts, because I like a, I like the fact that in the Yahoo room, and, and Yahoo's a great place to draft online, it's the only place I would do it. If I'm in an online league, it's going to be a Yahoo league. I was true before I ever joined Yahoo. I'm not just sucking up to the... <laughs> to the designers of our game who are who are really excellent. But if you're in our Yahoo League, you'll see the um, the projected standings. And even though there's a little bit of noise in there, you may not agree with the projections and it's going to factor in the benches and all that. I think that's a good idea to look at that, to get a sense of where you're strong, where you're weak, what other people are doing in the draft. And and so when I'm in an offline draft, because I, I'm going to miss all those Yahoo tools, I'll, I'll use the Rotowire software, which I think is really good. It's also Mac friendly, so that means it's friendly to me. Um, that's something I do. As far as um, the superstitions or you know, what I wear, just wear comfortable clothing, bring plenty to drink, uh, try not to get hammered. There's plenty of time to get drunk after the draft, but try not to get drunk during the draft, stuff like that. 
This is my. This is the most important question in the whole podcast. I'm just okay. setting you up. What is your number one draft food? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I come with the hard hitting stuff, guys. I bring the <laughs> I bring the hard hitting journalism to this podcast. You know, I always like Chinese food. Chinese food always sits well with me. Surprised by that? I'm 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 actually kind of surprised. Maybe it's because I, a lot of my drafts are back east, where I think the Chinese food is better. I, I don't know how much you guys have bounced around the country. It's, it seems like a very provincial thing that New York Chinese food is different than California Chinese food and Colorado Chinese food. And so when I'm back with my homies in the East Coast, I don't know. I always seem to be eating a lot of Chinese food. So we know, as as being bloggers on the internet and people on social media, that the, the internet is mostly full of horrible people. Um, <laughs> The people listening to the podcast, of course, you, our listeners, you guys are great. So let's just, you know, we're not talking about you. How horrible are the people to you, Scott? Like, how often do that you hear it if you, I don't know, you know, suggest a player who, who sucks or, or I have to wonder. I mean, sometimes I look at what I do and I'm like, man, at least I'm not a fantasy guy because I'm sure they're meaner to them. I'll just give you a really honest answer here. I think you get a lot more mean-spiritedness during football season. I think the baseball crowd is actually far more educated, far more patient, far more understanding, far more knowledgeable when it comes to fantasy. I mean, there's still going to be people. Last year, somebody, this is really funny, somebody was all over me in April for recommending Jake Arrieta, was saying what a a (laughs) moron I was, and this guy stinks, and all that stuff. And I don't know what happened to Arietta. I think they they kicked him out of the rotation or something. They probably you know, <laughs> kicked him out of the country. Yeah, but, I don't definitely didn't win Cy Young. Yeah, 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 yeah nothing like that. You know, guy can't hit at all. What he hit like one twenty? Get rid of that guy. <laughs> but uh, you know what else I also find is true a lot is people. Uh, I'm gonna flip this on its ear a little bit. Sometimes people will hear me on a radio show or a podcast and they'll, they'll say, you know, you you sound a lot nicer and reasonable than you you are on the internet, whether it's Twitter or whether it's the articles I write. And I think sometimes, uh, and maybe it's true with you guys too, I, I don't know. I think sometimes people read our articles sometimes and they infer a tone that is not intended. And then they you know, they, they see us on a, on a show or they, they meet us in person. They're like, wow, he's a really nice, reasonable guy. I don't know what happened to that jerk writer who I didn't like on Twitter or that, <laughs> that guy who posts all those lousy articles. But I, I find that's true a lot. I, I remember seeing somebody's Twitter profile had that, had something like that. Like you know, people say I'm a lot nicer in person than I am on the internet. I just wonder if there's something to the tone of writing that's, that infers something harsher and if maybe the spoken voice just makes us sound more human. So basically in, in June, after I draft... Eric Hosmer on your recommendation. If you get a lot of anonymous Twitter people following you and criticizing you, that that'll be me. I'm just letting you know now. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll, look. I'll I mean, the way the, the way it works guy. with fantasy is, you know, <laughs> you you win because you picked great, and you lose because Pianowski and Barons yes. and Funston gave you lousy advice. So we we understand that comes with the territory. Although I don't know if anybody's ever actually criticized Andy Barons. He somehow remained Teflon during all this. But <laughs> very nice guy. Very nice guy. Very, very nice man. Hey Scott, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and, and I'll plug some of your stuff, but you guys you can jump in and, and plug anything else you want. Uh, check out Roto Arcade, uh, Roto Arcade and Yahoo Sports are doing a lot of stuff to get you ramped up for fantasy baseball. And us on Big Leagues too. Like I said, we've been doing a little bit of crossover stuff the last couple weeks, and you're gonna see some more of that during the season. So uh, keep your eye on, on both sites if you're into fantasy baseball and or 
just regular baseball. I think we're going to be, um, you know, getting together a little more, and I'm excited about that. Me too. Me too. It was great to meet you uh, also at the last Yahoo Summit, a lot of fun. And and look, I mean, everybody who's into fantasy baseball is in it because they're a baseball fan first and foremost. And so you know, we all share that love, you know, love of Yahoo, love of baseball. And so um, I, I look forward to the season, guys. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Talk we'll be, to you soon. We'll be right back with more Stupai. Always in the island, fudging lucky, know the time. They know who keeps me smiling. smiling. Go on all my old something that I gotta do. Do what the hell I want and have no one to listen to. I'm prompt with my business and I do things on the double. Yo, I'm out like Buster Douglas. I say peace to MC Trouble. Rest in peace. Hey, we're back on the Stupod, ready to bring in my main man, Bad News Ramen. And uh, before we talk baseball, man, I know sad news for, for both of us this week. We're both uh, Tribe Call Quest fans, man, and Fife Dog. Got a... I missed I missed the like when it happened. I think it happened after I fell asleep, and then I woke up next morning. And I was just like, <gasps> "No, no!" I I, I, I saw it today. Uh, I'm not gonna say you, you posted something out. I'm not gonna say where it got posted because I don't want to, you know. I, I got I got my rep. I gotta you know try to pump up. But uh, yeah, and I mean, no, five dude. I mean, it's funny. Like you always make me do a kind of a mic check in the beginning. And I always say, like, you know, microphone check, one, two, what is this? The five dogs coming with the roughneck business because I float like gravity, never had a cavity, got more rhymes than one has family. Um, and it's funny because uh, I was – so I have to, you know, I have to – with my work, I work with some other people that are from different companies and stuff. And there's some young kid that I've kind of taken under my wing and I start, like, wrapping this stuff out. And he's just, like, kind of looking at me. And, and I'm like, well, you never heard of a Tribe Call Quest? Five dog? He's like, no, I never heard of him. I was like, are you kidding me? Um but, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I mean, there's rappers that have died in the past. Of course, you had Big E, uh, you had Tupac. I was never really big into the whole uh, East Coast, West Coast beef stuff. Uh, but Tribe Called Quest, man, it's it's funny, like, now that it's been, like, 20 years past uh, of them kind of being in their prime back in the 90s, uh, early 90s, uh, their first album, like, nobody really, you know, like, people liked them, but they were kind of soft. And then when they came out with um, the low end theory, I mean, that totally changed everything. Right. And then you come out with midnight Marauders after that. Uh, I've never been a big fan of Fife to tell you the truth. Like uh, I thought, I mean, Fife is like one of these guys, he's kind of like easy E, right? Like, um, easy was a pretty weak rapper, but ice cube wrote some really good lyrics for him. Uh, Fife was able Fife. I didn't like Fife so much because he always, he did use like a lot of like, uh, like an as, or he would, you know, like he would say like, I'm out like, Buster Douglas and stuff, you yeah, know, okay. just kind of stuff that it, it doesn't hold similes, up. The te- yeah, punchlines. It doesn't hold the test of time. But uh, when he was, you know, him on Midnight Marauders with um, Award Tour, if you if you listen to him in that song, I mean, he with the way he times like his rhymes along with the way the music goes, I mean, it it fits perfect. And, and that's kind of like Easy E. Uh, I was funny. I was watching Straight Outta Compton this past weekend. And I was telling my wife, I was like, you know, Easy E like always had a good intro. Like Ice Cube always wrote good intros for him to kind of make up for his lack of uh, of rhyming. Um, there's you know from Low End Theory to about Midnight Marauders, uh, Fife was really on that was really on his game. And I don't think you have those two albums be the classics that they are without Fife stepping it up because the first album he was terrible, and then the the uh, beats rhymes in life. Uh, he was kind of he was kind of falling off a little bit as well. But for those two albums, um, you want to talk about like the thread of like, you know, like it always being there. I mean, the tribe's been with me for a long time, and you can still bump them today, and it still works. So um, it's it, uh, you know when I saw what you posted, I was just kind of like I was like, damn, dude. I'm like, this is really like one of the really like from one of my favorite groups. It's like when ODB died, right? Old Dirty Bastard, same type of thing, right? It's like you know these are the guys I grew up listening to, yeah. and. I don't know if I'm a much better person for it, but I'm I'm, I'm much I'm much uh, 
harder for it. How about that? <laughs> what, what, what struck me about Fife, man, as I was thinking about it is there's a couple things that I, I was thinking like, man, like, okay, what, what is Fife's place? Like, what is his spot in history? And I kind of tweeted this stuff. So if you follow me on Twitter, this is kind of a rehash. But I thought there were two things that, that he kind of represented that we're probably not going to see much of more just because of the way hip hop has become. Like, one, I don't think you're going to see a lot of great number twos. You know, he was a, he was a really good number two and, and less of a less of like a, you know, flavor flave kind of like cartoon number two, but more of like a, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm pipping and, and I'm and I'm good with that. And I'm going to kind of be, you know, the man next to the man and just kind of live that role and do good in it. And, you know, everybody, every rapper now wants to be number one. I mean, it's why we don't have a lot of rap groups. And if they do, they all have their own solo things. And, and you know, when they come together, it's kind of like Wu-Tang where, you know, it's kind of a big deal. But. Like, Fife was, like, legit, you know, great number two. And I don't think you see that anymore. And, and the other thing was, like, he was always, it was always really fun. You know, everything he did seemed like it was, you know, it was kind of upbeat and fun. And, and some of that is maybe, like, that he was a, you know, little guy. So he kind of had this character about him and the scrappiness and stuff. But, um, you know, like, I don't know, hip-hop, hip-hop has gotten far less and less fun over the years because everything is, you know, so serious and so hard and, and whatever. But uh, I look back at that and I'm like, well, you know, Fife, Fife was – you know, having 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 fun. I mean, again, not not gonna say like the greatest rapper of all time or anything like that, but uh, definitely made a mark and uh, definitely part of one of the greatest groups of all time. Um, but what what sticks out to me is like, man, this guy this guy did his thing. Like in the in the situation he was in, had fun doing it, excelled at it, um, in, in a way that people probably wouldn't do anymore, just because the way hip hop has changed. Well, I think his only really other contemporary with what you just said about him being like a, the number two guy on the on the roster for his for his group is probably Vin Rock Vin Rocky from Naughty by Nature, right? Yeah. And there's and there's no comparison between those two guys. I mean, hey, Vin Rocky had that one song where he was really good, you know, but it's kind of <laughs> like a surprise, like oh, this guy can, this guy can go. Um, you know, to tell you the truth, like I, I think there there's guys better than him, and it's kind of funny that we're thinking about this now because. Um, you know, Black Sheep with their first album, they had um, Drez and then Mr. Long. And if you really listen to that album again, like Mr. Long is really, really good in it. Uh, but they weren't they weren't able to kind of sustain it over a, a two course album. Um, you know, five, five, I think for, for both of us, you know, I mean, you think about the beats that are just there with Tribe Called Quest and then just, you know, how I mean, in order for I think the difference between rap now is that you really don't have like a lot of songs where, you know, the, the lyrics like word by word by word that you can say over and over again, because if you do, it's it's usually like the, the hook that they play over and over because they're not that good of rappers anyways, and they're really not saying anything. And that's like kind of like the whole thing is like, you know, Fife was Fife was kind of the one that you could relate to, and then Q-Tip, you know, and, and actually Fife said like he was kind of like Q-Tip was a Shakespeare of rap, and you kind of listen to it and like in and Q-Tip you're just going like, dude, like this guy, you know, like this guy is it. But then Fife, you know, you could relate to Fife, and Fife was able to, to kind of like. I guess make the songs a little bit more real and not kind of existential that Q-Tip did, mm -hmm. and I can't believe I just said existential when we're talking about rap music. But um, it's true, though. yeah, I mean, it's true, though. it's true. And you know that I saw him, you know, when he got when he got elected to the Hip Hop Source Awards or whatever for like a Hall of Fame, and I'm looking at that guy, I'm like, man, that guy doesn't have long to live, and it's kind of sad that uh, he was turning his life around in terms of like his health and stuff, and it came as a big blow. And uh, you know, he was diabetic, and uh, you know, he even wrote, wrote <laughs> he even had a couple lines like that, but. Um, I think he's he's the more approachable person. I see, you know, Q-Tip, you're, you're kind of along for the ride with Q-Tip if you hang out with the guy, where with Fife, I really feel that he would, like, try to get to know you, and, like, you know, he'd be a fun person to, to hang around with. Um, I knew he was doing, like, a lot of stuff, you know, like a lot of um, counseling, not counseling, but kind of 
contributors for like sports ideas like a lot of teams would come to him and stuff and he would do some scouting and everything so um big big loss i mean whenever yeah, yeah. you know you're all, we're always waiting for for the next tribe called quest album right it's like dude they're they're gonna do one more and they never did and uh you know politics kind of messed up the whole tribe called quest and uh i think fife was the guy that was left out but uh, i'll tell you right now uh q-tip was you know he had a slow career he was never as good as he was with fife and tribe called quest so that says a lot so uh changing gears here let's uh move on i know it's kind of a i guess i guess we will call that strike one so this is strike two what, what we got for yeah. strike two uh, strike two, uh, I, I'd really like to, uh, you know, Bryce Harper is a bad influence on oh. our, on the children of America. Oh. And uh, I think it might have, I don't know who wrote it on Big League Stew, but there's a video of, of a Little League, uh, little league T-ball kid uh, getting on first base. And uh, he is uh, he is dancing on, on the base. All I'm telling that kid right now is like, hey, you're lucky you're playing T-ball because if I had my pitcher, if, if I was, if I was the, if I was the, his coach pitch, um, I would find a way to. I'm like, hey, let me, let me, uh, uh, let me, let me. You know, you're, you're kind of. I bet you, if you throw it this way, you know, uh, your kids might get better hits. So let me, let me, let me figure out. Let, let me show you what to do. And then I drill that kid in the head. <laughs> Come on, man. There's, there's no place for dancing in baseball. The next time, the next time, uh, the next time that happens, if that kid's running on the base, I'm, I'm gonna tell my kids, my, my kids to throw it uh, on the base path, and. Uh, I, I want my kids to level that kid and floor him on the ground. Dude. Oh, no. Mark Townsend wrote that, by the way. Yeah. Just to answer your question, I'm not. I'm. I'm not even gonna get into hitting kids with baseballs. Come on. You t- take 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 him out. Like you better. You, better, you, you got. What was it? A uh, you know the the whole geek on the street thing, right? You yeah. Know, that uh, yeah. Warren G does. He's like, you got you got to be hard with the steel. You know what I mean? Well, that, that's <laughs> that's how I teach. That's how I teach my kids. Uh, you know, I hold up that aluminum bat like. You gotta be hard with the aluminum bat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> my, my my name oh. my, my name is my name is Bad News Bo. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from the streets of Long Beach. <laughs> oh man! So no, I, that, I, don't, I don't agree with any of this, folks. Let, <laughs> let it be known. All um, I know all I know is that uh, I, I think uh, Goose Gossage uh, is going to speak about it, and he's going to he's going to drop some knowledge, man. Goose like, Gossage, me and Goose, Goose and me and Goose are we're kindred souls, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this one, uh, strike three. I know, I know you're a big fantasy baseball guy. We had we had Scott Pianowski from Yahoo on on uh, talking fantasy baseball with us. And in the interest of full disclosure, we have a we have a fantasy draft tonight, which we we started uh, earlier in the week, and we're finishing it off tonight. Um, so I don't know, I don't know that I have a particular question for you so much as like how how because it seems like you always get the best of everybody in the fantasy draft. So prepare me for what what you're going to do to us tonight. Well, I'm not doing anything because I, I pretty much set myself up. I'm actually surprised that you're talking to me because because uh, me and you got into it a little bit. I mean, uh, poor you, you were you were at spring training uh, for the whole past week, and uh, we started. You know, the, we do our things a little bit different. I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but it's, it's a case where you kind of have to be on uh, on messenger or you know to uh, the whole time to kind of make your picks and stuff and. Uh, I was being very nice to you, and you came out of the left field, and you started yelling. It's like I haven't seen my kids for a week, and you know you, you keep every five minutes you're doing this. I'm trying to do a press junket, and and I'm trying to play baseball with Eric Hosmer, and you're you're giving me all these tweets <laughs> like leave me alone, okay? <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm like relax there. I was like, hey, this is V, man. So I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you're still talking to me. I got to give you a lot of credit for uh, for doing kind of a pretty in depth uh, draft while you are probably during you know in the busiest part of your season, and. Uh, I'm just I'm just glad that you're talking to me again, dude. Because for probably about 
five seconds, I was worried about our friendship. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, this guy's yelling at me. <laughs> I just know normally if I if I try to tell you like, hey, I can't I can't do something right now because this, your response is going to be ah, suck it up, be a man, you yeah. know, and tell me and tell me why I should do it. So I think I thought I had to be a little more forceful to be like, no, I'm actually in a position where I cannot do what you want me to do right now, and you guys just talk too much, like like <laughs> all all the alerts. I'm like, I need to turn this off because I'm trying to. And on multiple occasions, I had my my recordings interrupted because all all these alerts. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't do this, guys. So. Well, you're 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 my you're my albatross, right? I mean, if you think about it, like I have the fantasy baseball league. I have you and Chris Swick, like two guys from Yahoo Sports. Um, I did have two guys from uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the what what is uh, that? What is cardboard icons? Who, who did Beckett, right? So yeah, I, t- yeah. I used to have two guys from Beckett. So it's like whenever I try to get people to join the league, I'm like, hey, I'm like, so I have two guys from like, and like, really? I'm like, yeah, no, they're legit. So um, you ask me, what do I have in store? Um, <laughs> I'm usually like a very laid back guy. I mean, my, my You're the most conniving dude in the draft. Well, that's no, I'm saying that's why I'm usually like a laid back person. Like it, it's not really shown here, like on, on, on this podcast, because I'm supposed to hit you with the hard truths, like you say, but. There's something about like fantasy baseball where you mm-hmm. can make moves and you can like undercut someone and just like pump your chest out and beat your chest and go like I am better than all of you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a dealer, baby. I mean, so oh, the I'm two, dealer, two baby. Like, three, three, three things. If you want three strikes, here's the three strikes that you never do with me, and we'll just end up. We won't talk so much about fantasy baseball, but the three things that you never do with bad news ramen. If 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 you know you want to stay my friend, number one is you don't play Monopoly with me. Because oh, I will yeah. kill you in Monopoly. Yeah. I'm a, I am a terrible don't, Monopoly Don't ever do player. that. Yeah, I am a terrible Monopoly player. Uh, but so the reason why I'm terrible is I, I never land on any of the spaces, right? And then like like guys like little little humps like you, like, you know, roll and you guys get like a, a Monopoly real fast. If I offer you a deal that will benefit both of us. Now, it'll this probably benefit me maybe 5% more. But I have made like my sister, my little sister cry in Monopoly. And if I give you an offer that is legit on both sides, and I'll ask him, like, is this offer legit? And I think I even asked you, and you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're not going to take it, now I'm going to screw you over. So pretty much what I do is, like, I'll go, like, you know, I'll have, like, some main pieces. I'll go to the other player, and I'll give them Monopoly. And um, I'll say, like, hey, like, uh, go give me some beer, and then you can have this you can have this property, right? And um, and so you were in a good position, and all of a sudden you just see your face drop because you realize that I'm just screwing you over. And even though I lost, I still won. So this, sounds, this is also how he plays fantasy baseball. Yeah, Monopoly is number one. I forgot number. I, I had three of my, I, you know, in my excitement. We, we, we can just talk about because it's all the same. It's all just yeah. that. That's all it is. Just in different different iterations. But uh, all I know, and this is this is the thing. I know if I'm in a fantasy baseball league with you, that I need to be on my toes because I know that there's going to be some out of left field thing that happens, and I have to be prepared for it because. It's going to, at very least, like someone's going to want my opinion on whether we can legally do that. At the very worst, it's probably going to impact my draft in some degree. So yes, uh, let's just say like if the if the Pope, like Pope Francis, who I have like total respect for, uh, if he ever played fantasy baseball with me, man, he would be. I, I, I'd be in a position where I'd look at Pope Francis and go, "Hey, Pope." Do you kiss your mom with that mouth? <laughs> I, I've made I've made people so mad with that. I mean, like one of like one of our good friends, man, he was like cussing up a storm, like this isn't fair. You da 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 da, and I'm just like, you know what, dude? Just admit that I'm a better player than you are. And, and finally, he had to come. He's like, I'm sorry for doing this. I'm sorry for cussing. I'm like, yeah, you know, that potty mouth ain't gonna get you nowhere, dude. And uh, you're not gonna get nowhere with me during fantasy baseball. So, um, 
the, my, my bad side's going to come out uh, tonight, and uh, it, it kind of came out over the past three days. But um, you know, it affects everybody in different ways, and even the cool, calm, collected Mike Oz uh, yelled at me <laughs> for for something and something I didn't even do. And I'm like, all right, dude. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like in the corner, right? I'm like inspect the deck, you know, like observing everybody. I'm like, yeah, I got you, dude. <laughs> so uh, who who are you? Who are you for sure drafting this year? Uh, who's your, who's well, your guy? You got to have. Well, it, it's funny though. I mean, so I, I got everybody that I that I got to have. Um, the guy that I got to have is Carlos Correa, and uh, I already have him, and I got him last year. But um, you know, the the I mean, if if I, if I was to give you like any any guy that you know is steady and everything like that, I just want to know uh, who am I going to draft in the first round to, to you mess gonna, you up? Like who who should I who should I be eyeing so I can make you mad? Oh, that, that that'll never happen, dude. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I already know who you're gonna pick. I already know who you're gonna pick without you knowing it. I already know who everybody's gonna pick in the first round. And, I have uh, that's, no idea who I'm gonna pick. Yeah, well, that, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So you, you're not, you're not really not a threat to me. So I really don't care. Um, but I, I've I've been I've been to a point sometimes in drafts that I've like like the first round I, I've called every single person and saying, hey, like who are you gonna who are you gonna pick, and I know exactly where to go. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's like I haven't won a fantasy baseball league in probably four or five years. After winning like three in a row back to back to back, I've, I've slipped a little bit, dude. You're so, literally uh, the Yankees. I am the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. I am the Yankees. I am, I am the evil empire. But um, you know, it's a uh, it's fantasy baseball. It's like it, if 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 a person doesn't treat like a fantasy baseball draft or an NFL football draft as the best day ever, then you shouldn't be playing fantasy sports. And that's the only criticism I have that anybody, even like guys like you, because you're busy and stuff. I'm like, this is this is your time now. This is your time to actually feel like um, you're like a, a manager, and it's it's life or death, and you need to win. And that's the way you should approach fantasy baseball. And that's why you know that's why it's so fun. So, so you're just telling me why why you're right and I'm wrong, right? No, no, no. I mean, you can you can, you can do what you want. I'm, I'm not saying that you're right and I'm wrong. I'm saying that I'm better than you. And, and let's just say that. But. You know, you, you can you can always point to the scoreboard because you beat me last year. So, uh, the guy the guy that I am definitely better than is Chris Swick. Chris Swick sucks. I already made fun of him in this podcast. Yeah, he's for he's, 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 he's terrible, dude. Um, if anybody real fast, you go for Matt Carpenter this year. Uh, qualifies as second and third base. Um, a lot of people uh, they know about him, but you get him at the right place and you don't have to spend high on him. That that's the guy that you need to kind of look at. He's well, already, already, already taken advice. in our league, so there you go. yeah, he's already taken. Yeah. And let's not talk about who has what, because uh, if I tell if I tell everybody what my fancy keepers are, uh, their mouth will drop like a temperature gauge, and that's uh that's what happens when we play. And that's from uh, Ronnie Joe Cooley, General Jeff. Look it up. Three the hard way, baby. This has been three strikes in the stew pod. We'll be back. Hey, we're back on the stew pod. Mike Oz and Chris Swick here. Chris, I'm back from Arizona. Do not have a sunburn. I feel like that's a that's a big win. Um, probably the best the best piece of podcast intel I have to share with people is that when I was in Arizona, I got stung by a bee at the Reds camp. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess in retrospect, it could have been Billy Hamilton running by really fast and slapped me on the head. I don't know. I think it was a bee. Um, and I just had to wonder what we did to anger the Reds. I feel like it was probably a, a reaction to them being ranked like number thirty on our list or something. Yep. Probably. That's that's got to be it. Yeah. And I'm sure you went on a Brian Price esque tirade <laughs> after that happened. I dropped like eighty seven f bombs to the kid exactly. that was standing right you next to me. Exactly. You broke the record. Yeah. 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 That's what happened. 
So uh, I know you have so many questions about my spring training experience. So you don't well, have to ask them all at once. I, I know one of the things that I thought was pretty cool that you got to do. I'm a little jealous about it. Maybe, maybe that's what you've interpreted uh, as my lack of interest. Maybe it's just jealousy that you got to play MLB The Show with Eric Hosmer and Anthony Rizzo. See, I thought you were going to ask me, like, you'd be like, no, I don't have any questions for you, Mike. I have nothing. I don't care about you. But no, you man. You actually I... did ask me. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chris. I did. I played. I played MLB the show with Anthony Rizzo and Eric Hosmer, and that was fun. Um, Eric Hosmer whooped me up, and I beat Anthony Rizzo. And wow. I'm going to never play that game again and retire as a Hall of Famer. Well, this whole experience got me thinking about an important question. Oh, important questions. Okay. So you beat Anthony Rizzo, yeah. and then you texted me to brag about it, and I yeah. said, well, you, you have to work your way up to the cover boy, and this year that is Josh Donaldson. Yeah, you, I, I was going to say Josh Hamilton, but yeah, Josh Donaldson. I, I almost said Josh Hamilton, too. Really? So we're on the same page there. Okay. Uh, so, okay, this, this is what got me thinking of the important question. Josh Donaldson, I think, coming into last season – you pre- you wouldn't have thought he was a, a big favorite to land on the cover of the show the next year. He's a really good player, but he had an MVP-type season. He led the Blue Jays to the playoffs and became a giant story. And now he's on the cover of the show, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So the important question is, can you pick somewhat of a dark horse candidate right now who might be on the cover of the show next season? Oh, okay. Let's see. I will start this question by going backwards in time and thinking Puig was on the cover last year, right? Correct. Okay. I'm trying to figure out like what their what their type is. Um, I'll go Carlos Correa. Yeah, yeah, Carlos Correa might be might be too obvious for me. Oh, is he I not not dark? You want to? He's not dark horsey enough. Well. I don't know. I guess maybe that's unfair because, and I know, I know you'll love my pick, but I was going to say maybe Francisco Lindor. You, you just love you some Francisco <laughs> Lindor, man. Both guys we've had in the podcast, by the way. I guess that's good for us. That's true, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think if if you were to come up with just the natural candidates to be on the cover, you'd say Trout, Harper, probably one of the guys from the Cubs, Chris and Brown. then I would say maybe maybe Correa would would pop in there. Well, we haven't had Carlos Correa in the podcast, have we? We had Jose Altuve. We've had, we've had Lindor. We did, no, but we didn't have Correa. I have to go back and correct myself. We did not have yes. both of them on the podcast. Maybe, hopefully we'll get him soon, then we can have both those guys on the podcast. There you go. Anyhow, um, okay, so you want me to dig a little deeper. Let's dig a little bit deeper on that. Um, it seems like they like guys with big personalities. Um... Seems like they like, you know, people that have like a good six, successful season, almost not quite out of nowhere, but you know, kind of have that that surprise to them. Um, I am thinking, folks. I'm thinking really hard. You are thinking. I'm thinking. They haven't had a pitcher in a while. Yeah. It feels like. I mean, I almost thought Strowman, but you know, that'd be, that'd be the Blue Jays two years in a row. I mean, he's, he's that's true, but I, I feel like that's a yeah. I feel like that's a good answer, even though they won't double yeah. up on Blue Jays. Yeah. He's on the he's on the uh, Canadian version of RBI baseball, which is kind of cool. Um, what about like Syndergaard? Syndergaard would be good. 
Ooh, Syndergaard. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah Syndergaard would be good. I thought he nice. got he got uh, jobbed by the way, not being on the Sports Illustrated cover. Did you see that? I did. They went with uh, Jairus Familia. Yeah, I was right? like, man, you can't have you can't have the headline be like straight heat, and then you can't, don't have Syndergaard on there. I felt like I felt bad for him. I guess so. I'm I'm a little bitter because my mailman did not deliver my Sports Illustrated today, so I don't have that physically in my hands. I got the Giants, by the way. I don't, you know, I didn't get the the Mets, but I just saw it on. I know. I well, I guarantee I'll get the Giants as well. So uh, I think we've adequately answered that question. Um, here's my here's my question for you. Let's do it. I went to Arizona, which um, our our MLB editor Marcus Vandenberg, I think, aptly. Uh, noticed that Arizona is kind of like the south of the west. <laughs> like they have a lot of stuff there that we don't. We, I I don't know, just stuff that I don't know. You know, like they have Waffle House and they have Cracker Barrel and a lot of these places that I'm not familiar with because I'm in California and I've pretty much only lived in California. Um, Waffle House was one though, Chris. That I I was like, hmm, should I go to Waffle House? Like, not not that I don't know. I'm expecting anything amazing by going there, but. Like, is that, is that a place I need to cross off my list? Like, oh, I've been to Waffle House, you know, like the way people come to California and feel the need to go to In-N-Out. Um, so my question for you is kind of twofold. Like, have you been to Waffle House? And two, did I make a mistake by not going to Waffle House? So I have not been to a Waffle House. Um, I don't know if I've ever lived in a place where there are a ton of Waffle Houses. So that's that would be my excuse. I do think it's a place probably everyone should go, but I'm also a bit of a food snob. So, mm-hmm. so if I were in your position, uh, I probably would not have gone to Waffle House. I would have tried to find slightly more upscale places to eat while I was in Arizona. So I don't blame you. Upscale? What a little snob you are, Chris. You know, too good you know, for the Waffle they- House people, huh? When we were in Nashville and I took you to get a gourmet burger and it was like 40 minutes out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I would do in Arizona. Chris, don't be be a man of the people, man. Don't let them, don't, people that go to Waffle House and listen to podcast, we're not too good for you. We love you. I'm a man of the people. I am, but I, I take my food very seriously. <laughs> All right, well, if you go to Arizona... Uh, there's a there's a wonderful place that I've that I've gone twice now. Both times I've been to Arizona, and I like it a lot. And it's from Keith Law's list, so I have to give him props on that. It's a spot called it's called Hillside Spot, and it's just a little like cafe, unpretentious, kind of cool. And they have a nice little, wonderful little pulled pork sandwich that I like. They have great salsa. I would recommend that spot. I like it a lot. So yes, yeah, all right. You ever go? I'll, I'll put it on the list. That's I'm right. Put it on the list. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that's going to be the stew pod for this week. We'll let you know next week how our fantasy draft went, and uh, I will let you know soon once Chris falls into last place again. I'll be sure to let everyone on the podcast know. I don't appreciate that. Everyone on the podcast will know, Chris, about how bad you are. And if I'm doing well, you know what? I'm going to be humble. I'll be a man of the people. I won't brag about it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to brag about. I'm not going to brag for you. So. <laughs> This has been the Stew Pod. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.